And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And we are back in the studio together, back in the saddle once again. Are you going to also remember to help me share this, Bonza Tufa? Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm technically challenged. Craig. I, I was going to say, and I'm not the most politically correct person in the world. But you were going to say <laughs> but it's I slightly gonna... different. <laughs> exactly. Well... This, I've got to be honest with you, and I'm not saying we need to be like CBS Studios, but this, but, but this piece. Enjoy this, your trip. This piece, <laughs> this piece of equipment right. is without a doubt one of the worst pieces of radio equipment I've ever seen. Well, you can tell that because of the tape that's on the back <laughs> yeah, of it. Right. Okay. All right. I've, thank you, Bonza. All right. Now if you could do that other thing that you do. This is the bat around, folks, for those of you who are That's wondering right. we why we are anybody. here. We haven't told anybody that yet. <laughs> uh, the bat around is uh, a Saturday exercise in baseball talk for two full hours, 10 to 12. You can join us each Saturday online at pressboxonline.com slash radio. Or, Craig, uh, if you are so inclined, you can... Join us on Facebook, on Pressbox's Facebook page, by going to facebook.com slash pressboxsports, okay? Right. And we hope you will not only join us, but please like us and please share us, okay? Those are two things we can't force people to do, but we'd urge you to do it. Right, and uh-huh. uh, we'd like if you do it, because that's how we get viewership and... And that's how we'll eventually get paid exactly. something for doing this show. We've got an interesting show today. It's not It's not allowing me to. Your Firefox stopped responding. Yeah. I'm telling you, I blew the Firefox when I plugged in. You just uh, cannot touch a computer, man. No. That's not my fault. It's not my fault, man. I sound like Bill Dana. Remember right. him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's Bill not Dana. my job. Not my job. Right. Um, we've got Steve Garland <coughs> from Big Bats will join us today. All right? Yeah. We're going to get the Bay Bridge report on this July 4th holiday weekend. Uh, we'll talk to him at about 10.15. Steve Molesky. Excuse me. Not Steve Molesky. Dan Con- It says it right here. Steve Molesky. Dan Connolly from BaltimoreBaseball.com will join us at 10.25. Great story last night. He comes over and he tells me he's going to get Molesky. He said, I'll send him an email. So I, as a result, did not say anything to Steve about coming on the show today because we sit right next to one another. Right. And I told... God forbid you should communicate. I I told Stan... a, A simple sentence like... Hey, Stan's trying to get you. Are you going to be able to do the show? Well, but then Stan said to me, I'll text him and I'll email him and it won't be a problem. No, I, I said, said, okay, I'll fine. Email. I f- okay, fine. So Steve doesn't check his email and he doesn't get back to him. And I'm just assuming it, right off the bat that, like normal, no one likes Stan. So No, it was, it was different. <laughs> he, he claimed he did respond. And I said, he said he's having computer problems. And you said, Stan... Nobody likes like you. you. 
Anyway, we are here. Dan Connolly from BaltimoreBaseball.com will join us. Our good friend Bill Latson from MLB.com joins us at 1045. And then, Craig, in the 11 o'clock hour, two interesting guests, the new baseball head baseball coach at Towson University. Why do they call it in college it's the baseball coach rather than the baseball manager? I have no idea. Can we ask him that? You, you certainly can, and it would be interesting to see what he says because – uh, you know, Mike Hargrove used to, former Oriole manager, former Indians manager, right. used to have a sign on his desk, that, you know, that basically stated, my name is not coach. <laughs> right. Anyway, we will have Matt Tyner, the new head men's baseball coach at Towson University. He joins us. Um, he replaces Mike Gottlieb after what? How many years there? Close to 30? 30 as a coach, almost 40 overall. Wow. Yeah, he was an assistant to Billy Hunter. Yep, man. Billy Hunter first. And he played. And he played there. Wow. Okay. Um, Matt Tyner is going to join us, though, the new baseball coach. And it's interesting, Craig, he has a Baltimore connection. He never made it to Baltimore as a major league player, but he was an Oriole farmhand. And the only thing I've been unable to find out is what damn position he played. Everywhere I look, it shows, it t- tells me how good a prospect he was, but I can't see what position he played. Well, we'll have to find out and ask him, uh, and it's quite possible that uh, he'll be able to tell us and we'll know. He'll probably remember what position he played. Right, exactly. So, All right. Anyway, we've got him on uh, at 11.05, and then to close things out on the show, one of your favorite people, that you are going to fight with t- today, and Jim Henneman. Jim Henneman. I'm not going to fight with Jim. He's got an opinion. I have an opinion. It's not like when and you as have usual, a, he's no, right. It's, it's not like when you have an opinion and I have an opinion and your opinion is totally <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you know Jim, Jim just thinks that there's a way to speed up the game. Speed up the game, but in a, in my opinion, my humble opinion, in a way, I got to be honest with you, I'd never thought about this in a million years. It's an interesting concept. There's no yeah. question about it. And, you know, hang around, be with us, and you'll be able to hear what that concept is when we get Jimmy on. But All right. uh, the concept bo- is going back to the future, so to speak. So to speak, yes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm of a firm belief that. Please leave the game alone and stop trying to change it. Go ahead. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> this is one of those changes, though, that I don't think is so abrasive to what the game is. And, in fact, at one time, this was the rule. When you had four foul balls and a given it back, oh, well, see, you, you just out. You just gave it away now. Well, I wanted to give it away. <laughs> I want people to understand what, why we're having Jim on the show. Well, we have Jim on the show for a lot of reasons, and but, but this wouldn't have been one of them for me. <laughs> right. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Hey, I'm um, logging off my computer. One quick thing. Yes. Uh, Matt Tyner played at outfield and at third base. Okay. And, in fact, in 1981, Matt Tyner had 31 home runs as an Oriole prospect at Hagerstown. Mm-hmm. And, in fact – was the organization's leading home run hitter that year, I think. And and he outslugged Cal Ripken Jr. How about that? One of the earliest remembrances of the Hagerstown's ballpark for me 
was noticing how deep it was in certain parts. And that's uh, right. That, my memory of that was that that was not a bandbox. It no. was a pretty big. It was. Now, what they've done to it, if anything, over the last 20 years right. or so, I don't know. You know who the most there. famous player to play there? And I'm not talking about Bryce Harper, historically. Well, Mike Messina played there. No, I'm talking about played for the Hagerstown. Oh, well, maybe Messina played for yeah, Hagerstown. Yeah, he did. Willie Mays played for them. Oh, okay. Years I ago know. When they I did were, not know that. Yeah. 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 In fact, one of uh, Moose's first baseball cards I ever had right. was him in a son's uniform. So he did pitch up there. He did play. I'm trying to get... I'm trying to get my computer back. All right. Can you try it one more time? Yeah, the, sure. The sharing part. Thing? I do have one question, though. Yeah. What does your shirt say or show? What is that? It's all sushi. Sushi? sushi? Yeah. It's a sushi shirt. That's so interesting. Raw fish, baby. Yeah. I'm wearing raw fish. Yeah. It's a Japanese baseball team, the sushi. Well. Yeah. As long as it doesn't start to smell like raw by, fish. By the way, by the way, Bonza, I've invited Bonza in the 1105 portion of the program to feel free to jump in with questions for Coach Tyner. Okay. Because he covered the Towson men's basketball team. Well, there you Working go. better? Basketball? Baseball team. <laughs> baseball team. You were talking to me about basketball so much yeah. right before the show. All right. Last night, Yeah. Uh, just a... Gut-wrenching defeat for the Orioles last night because uh, they, come, Awful. they come from behind. They get, uh, they get zero, virtually zero offense and have the lead with two outs, nobody on base, with Brad Brock looking like he's throwing BBs. Right, and, and he basically was, and he winds up getting a 3-2 count and, and walking uh, the batter. Uh, Shane Peterson. Shane Peterson on... Uh, Who's a plucky little hitter? I've wa- I watched him when they brought him up earlier in the year. Right, so th- so he loses him, but then before you know it, there's a balk, there's a wild pitch that gets him to third, and he's a strike away from getting out of the inning. He's got a Danny Echeverria at the plate, and he winds up coming up with his fourth hit of the night, an RBI single to left field, uh, which scores the tie run. It goes to the tenth, and uh, Bra- uh, Darren okay. o- Darren O'Day comes in. And, uh, look, I had a huge problem in the ninth inning and the tenth inning with the plate umpire last night. I thought both guys were getting squeezed a little bit. Right. Uh, but uh, give, give the uh, Rays a lot of credit. Uh, and the, the, the funny part about Steven Souza Jr.'s home run last night, the three-run homer that went to dead center field was the fact that uh, just about four or five days ago in Tampa – you know, uh, O'Day, O'Day had struck him out on a slider to, you know, to get out of that inning, I believe, and then and then winds up throwing a slider, certainly not a good one, uh, over the middle of the plate, and Souza Jr. just crushed it to center field over the head of Adam Jones, and that uh, winds up giving them a 6-3 lead, and they go on to win the game 6-4. You know, when he hit that ball, I thought it was a deep, but mm-hmm. pretty routine play. And then I'm watching Jones sort of looking way, you know. And slowing down. And slowing down. Yes. I realized he had no chance at the ball, and I was pretty shocked by it. Yeah. I asked, and I think you were still in the scrum. You were in the Oriole locker yeah, room yeah. last night. Uh, I asked O'Day what I thought was a pretty interesting question that you don't often hear is how, how much was he checked out 
about not being needed to pitch last night when we were so close to winning. And do you remember the story he told, the anecdote about when he was with the Rangers and he was sort of the low man on the totem pole. And he's packing up all the gear. Packing up all the gear, and all the teammates gave him a raft of crap. Stuff about it, yeah. Yeah, in the the Rangers' bullpen because the game wasn't over and the opposing team came back to win – and they gave him a raft of crap about that. He says he's never forgotten that. I wonder if it just wasn't on his mind. Now, listen, it's very hard when you're out there in that bullpen and you're watching Brock, you think the game is over. You, you Well, yeah, you do. And 10 minutes later, you not only have to warm up, you're but, in the game. Right, and kudos to Brad Brock last night. Uh, he's a stand-up guy. Stand-up guy. I said to him right off the bat, I said the, the the walk with two outs on three two you just can't. He goes, no, I know I can't I can't do it. It's inexcusable. He stood up there and uh, he knows that led to all the difficulty because uh, they're a strike away from getting a win and uh, in a game that they're probably outplayed in a little. No bit. question about and, it. And but how great about the, teams win? How about the former Nationals in that game who absolutely destroyed the Orioles last night. Wilson Ramos, Ramos two-run home run. Steven Sousa and Jr. And Steven Sousa Jr. Yeah. Um, do we have Steve Garland? All right. Joining us now is my good friend, Steve Garland, from Big Bats uh, Cafe, uh, located just over the Bay Bridge in Ken Island. And, Steve, we try to have you on once a month during the Orioles season uh, that game last night had to be a gut-wrenching one for all involved and especially a fan like you. Yes. Uh, uh, I was at the restaurant last night. We had some live entertainment, so I was hanging up there last night. And, of course, we were down 2 to nothing. Or, and I said, don't worry. They're going to come back. We'll have no problem coming back. And the next thing you know, it's 2-1. to one, It's 2-2. Two to two. We come back 3-2. to two. And I was all high on myself saying, yeah, I know everything, and I'm just this great predictor. <laughs> and then, of course, what happens is we all know what happened, and we ended up losing the game. So now, how many, how many people threw food after the RBI single to tie the game and the three-run homer to put the raise ahead? No, I don't think they threw the food. I <laughs> think uh, they kind of – you could hear them growl and moan a little bit, especially with the pass ball and things like that. But uh, – it, you know, it just it seems like we just got bit last night again with some of the problems we've had in the past. So uh, I don't know what the right answer is. But, you know, we, we played pretty decent ball game last night. It was a great game. It was Everybody a terrific did a pretty good job to the end. Yeah, yeah and you know what? Uh, from a starting pitching standpoint, uh, I was not all that disappointed with uh, the I outing thought, by I thought Tillman. Tillman. That was, to me, for, for from start to finish, that was about the best I've seen him And, and I think his last two, he has shown signs now of, of some life in of that Some shoulder. life in the yeah. shoulder, but also being able to command uh, the fastball and also, you know, make his pitches when he wants to to either side of the plate. I saw a lot of that last night out of him. Yeah. Yeah, well, was, like I said, that was, very, that was very positive. And then the, the defense played good behind him and everything except at the very end. So, uh you know, it'd, it'd been nice if he could have blocked that ball because, you know, they, they, the catchers still just want to reach out there and grab it instead of throwing their whole body out there to block it. They just don't see that as much anymore. Now, I thought that that was a catchable, uh, a catchable ball by Castillo. I guess at the end of the day, if Hechevary is going to get that hit, 
that run's probably going to score from second either way. Well, had you, Peter had Borges. Well, had, had I, 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 I almost don't think it might have because that ball was hit pretty sharply yeah. to left field. Yeah. Of course, he doesn't have a great arm, but, you know, we still had a chance. Yeah. And it, it, these little things, it really hurts. And, and, the, and the, when you're in the pros, you're supposed to know that you throw your body and get the ball in the center of your body, not just reach out there backhanded. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, well, that listen, that's one of the um, – uh, I think Castillo, for the most part this year, has done his job uh, both as a hitter and a backstop. Uh, but the, but that's sort of the M.O. he came here with, what he's, that he was not that great at blocking pitches. And I thought that that – even though I understand technically you got to give Brock the wild pitch, I thought that's one the catcher's got to make. Yeah, but that, that, that was one of the reasons – I wasn't as disappointed with Weeders leaving in the beginning. Now maybe I might change my mind a little bit, but yeah. but Weeders got very lazy the last year or two, and he wasn't blocking anything when it wasn't right at him, you know. So uh, I was hoping that you know when you when you're when you're that close a game and you're up by one run, you got to be thinking that automatically there ain't nothing getting past me. If I have to dive on it and stick it in my mouth, whatever I have to do, you can't let it get past. Yeah, it, it was a no question. It was a mini meltdown there by Brock and Castillo didn't help him a great deal in that play. Uh, but again, Hechevarria is a um, not a Pretty terrific fast. hitter. He goes four for four last night. You know, look, Joey Rickard on the Orioles side of things is not a great hitter, but he got the two big hits and drove in two of the runs. That we scored. Yeah, but you know, I Jerry Ricker ain't a great hitter, but he's a good batter. I mean, he he doesn't he doesn't waste his time up there too much. He doesn't swing at bad pitches. Yeah, he tries to take the ball where it's pitched. I I like him a lot. I would like to see a couple more people like him. You know? All right. Well, today Bundy goes against Odorazzi. Uh, first twenty five thousand people today, fifteen years of age or older, get the Zach Britton bobblehead today. Um, Steve, when we have you on once a month, uh, we want to chat a little bit about what the specials are, what's so special about Big Bats. But before we do that, uh, we also like to have you on at the key moments like around Memorial Day, July 4th, and Labor Day uh, to tell us what the Bay Bridge traffic is like. And there's a phone number that folks can call. It's one 229 and that. Uh, that number two two nine seven seven two six is baseband on your phone uh, to get the traffic report. But we're going to give it live to people right now. What's the traffic looking like going across the bridge? It's it's quite heavy uh, and it's moving kind of slow going from Ken Island on through the shore. It's uh, I have a couple of my employees come from Easton in the morning, so they looked at the traffic half an hour on the way here, and they said it was quite heavy the whole way here so it's going to be an interesting day i'm sure driving to the beach is this of the three holidays this is probably the heaviest isn't it i think so because uh because it's just it's definitely the the middle of summer and, and you really you know think of summer with fourth yeah. of july and everything it's they i think the news this morning said it's the most heavy traffic holiday weekend of the year so that means that's got to mean something all right and with and with the gas prices being good, I don't think people are not going to go because of high gas. Unbelievable. Yeah. When I live in Laurel over here between D.C. and Baltimore, and you can get it for like $2 and anywhere from 
two, 219 up to about 230 if you're closer to 95, that kind of thing. Uh, but in Laurel proper, you probably get it for about 220, 223. I'm on the yep. shore. I'm on the shore yesterday, and I'm seeing two dollar and one cent. You know, yes. on, on in most places on the shore. I paid. Yes. I was in Durham, North Carolina, the other day. I paid a dollar eighty nine for gas. I know. In North Carolina. I know. I got some friends down Myrtle Beach, and it's it's been it's been that way for a little while under two dollars. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. All right. So. Um. So, again, that phone number, though, if folks want to jot it down, it's a good idea just to get an idea of how heavy the traffic is at a given moment. It's one eight seven seven two two nine seven seven two six. 229 7726 Steve, what's uh, going on at Big Bats these days? Well, last night we had some unbelievable entertainment. We had the Marshall Lowry Band there. They're a, uh, a country rock band from uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. They did a great job. The place is packed. Uh, this weekend we have uh, a few specials. We have a steak taco. We have a Chicago cheesesteak. We have seared out uh, tuna and a whole lot more of the stuff. It's like the, you know, but the burgers and the wings are voted the best on the shore, so uh, you, can't, you can't miss a beat when you get something at Big Ben. You know, you almost had a visitor yesterday. Yeah, you know what? I was driving back, and it was a real quick trip, Steve. I went down to Salisbury uh, early in the morning to see a friend who I hadn't seen in about three years, and uh, it was a real quick kind of lunch-brunch type of thing. And uh, I was down in Salisbury for about an hour and a half, two hours, and I was turned around and kind of came right back because I had the game to do last night. Uh, And I'm I'm just motoring along. Traffic's starting to get a little bit heavy because you're getting closer to the rush hour end of it. And uh, I'm thinking, you know what? I should just get off and, and, and go over to Big Bats and see what it's all about. And I just looked at my watch, and I, nah, I better get to, <laughs> to Camden Yards. Well, I, I just want to let you know that uh, I missed my sales for the day yesterday by about 12 bucks. So if you would have stopped, I would have made my sales for well, the day. So I'm, then I, you I'm, can, holding that, I'm holding that personally. I was going to say, you can, you can blame me personally on that one. Hey, <laughs> Hey, Steve, I want to ensure yep. that you're going to see Craig in the next week or 10 days. His okay. first meal there is on me, okay? Okay, sounds, sounds great. I'll see you the Monday, uh, the beginning of the All-Star break, on my way down. <laughs> All right. Hey, Steve. Hey, well, listen, I think the yeah. next time we talk, we'll be talking about uh, – uh, what the Orioles did in trades or what they didn't do in trades or what they're going to do in trades because that's uh, going to be a big decision for the Orioles here in the next two or three weeks. Very tricky, uh, very tricky to maneuver. Hey, we always appreciate you coming on and sharing the, the Bay traffic and also your support of the show. Thanks, Stevie. Hey, you guys have a great uh, 4th of July weekend, and God bless America. All right. Couldn't have, said right. it, couldn't have said it better. Yeah, that is a good thing. And, and I'm going to tell you, everybody, I mean, the, the Internet is full of people just lambasting the Orioles last night. It was driving me nuts, and everybody, sell, 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 sell. And I just don't see that happening. I don't see it I don't happening. see it happening. I don't see it happening either. I have <laughs> Peter Angelos, for all the faults I've had heaped upon him over his – Long tenure as owner. Yeah. One of the things I guess you have to like is that he, at the beginning of a season, he makes a commitment to the fans that pay for the tickets, that the season ticket holders, that if his team's got any chance to make it, 
he's going to stick to his guns and, uh, you know. And see how it plays out. I think they also, I I just don't see a great clamoring this season for somebody to to acquire Manny Machado. And I especially don't see Zach Britton being an attractive trade chip right now because nobody in their right mind is going to want to trade for him with only maybe 10, 15 days of seeing him in action. And well, last night aside, the and, Nationals and, I don't the get... Nationals and the Orioles, right. if they would ever talk, and we know that that's uh, you know, n- never going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. <clears throat> they could do a deal for Brad Brock. Yeah. And, you know, the Nationals have a couple of starters at the minor league level. Right. Uh, Fetty being one of them. Right. Uh, who could certainly... Uh, step in or, or at least be in the minor league system with the Orioles if they if they were ever to pull off a trade. Right. Uh, you know, because the, the Nationals obviously need bullpen help. There's six blown saves here on the National side of the ledger this year. All right. Well, helping us sort all this out right now is Dan Connolly from BaltimoreBaseball.com. And, Danny, uh, we just had on a, a guest of ours who's a sponsor, Steve Garland from Big Bats. He says uh, this trade deadline is going to be a really interesting one for the Orioles. Can you help us sort this out? Do you see either Machado or Britain being really a live target for somebody? No, I don't, guys. I, I really don't think there's going to be much to happen this trade deadline. I mean, first of all, you have the fact that the Orioles are, are you know, within striking distance, and all teams are in American League East for the well, American League East and American League for the most part, but. You got to look at, at the MO of the Baltimore Orioles, especially under owner Peter Angelos. And I think Craig was alluding to the the Baltimore Washington thing, and I think that's a real a real situation. I also think that Peter Angelos doesn't give up. I mean, he doesn't. You know, he he does not. It's very rare. I think 2000 is the last time that in the middle of the season they went ahead and and you know traded guys and and had a, a fire sale. You know, here and there, a player, a George Sherrill kind of guy or whatever. But Manny Machado or Zach Britton, all-stars, two of the best players on the team. All You know, both of them have uh, contracts through 2018. I just don't see it happening. I, that's a really a major white flag. Should it? I mean, if they're not going to resign these guys, absolutely. But I just don't see it happening. I, you know, the, the one that's interesting to me, is is Zach Britton, and I could see if Britton comes back strong the second half of the year, I could certainly see them trading him and signing Brock, who I think is much more signable for the Orioles on a three- or four-year contract. Um, but but nobody this season is going to give you much for Zach Britton when he's only going to have 10 to 14 days to prove that he's healthy, uh, Dan. You know, I don't know. I, I actually was talking to a couple people about that. The guy's track record is tremendous. He needs to show that he's healthy. Right. But I think if he he's done that so far in his rehab assignment, if he comes up and, you know, in that period from July 5th to July, you know, 28th or, or, 30, or right. 28th, whatever it is, if he ends up showing that he can, you know, he's healthy again, his value will be where it is. I mean, it was one of those things that was, you know, it was kind of an inexplicable injury. It was more of a strain than anything. People want to make sure that's not a precursor to something that would right. take him out for a year or so. But if he is fine for those three weeks, two weeks even, I don't think there's going to be any question as far as his value is concerned. So it's let me what ask the you, Orioles will want back. Let me ask you a question then. If 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 you're right in that assessment, 
that teams will would still be very interested in him even with the short window. What what would it take to sign him? And more importantly, in my mind, I'm convinced. While I don't think we'll ever see Brad Brock go 47 for 47, I think he's proven to me that he's certainly capable of being as good a closer as Jim Johnson was. What would it take to sign Brad Brock for three or four years? And is that difference significant enough for the Orioles to seriously consider moving uh, uh, Zach Britton? You know, I, I think it would be different enough to be able to do that. I think it would be considerably different. Um, I think you have to do it this year because, you know, as far as Brock is concerned, because next year if he goes into a situation, they either trade Britain or something happens to Britain again and he goes, you know, an interim closer position and does it well again, then he's going to be looking at probably closer money, you know, in after yeah. 2018 as well. But even if he hasn't done it full-time, we saw that happen with Andrew Miller. And I'm not saying that, that Brad Rock is Andrew Miller, but what I'm saying is, as, as Craig pointed out, too, I mean, there are teams out there that need closers. There are teams out there that need people to shut the door. I mean, and, and you know, it's not just the Nationals. The Rangers do it. The Giants did. I mean, you know, you can go throughout baseball and you have teams that really have struggled with a closer, whether it's a guy that they've gotten who's gotten hurt or ineffectiveness or whatever it might be. So if Brock proves in a couple different seasons that he can handle the closer duty in, in small doses, he's going to get closer money or close to closer money on the open market as well. I, but if I, you do it now or you do it soon to now, um, I, I do think that there's there would be a significant difference between a guy who is you know, an all-star closer who hasn't blown a save since 1936 versus <laughs> a guy who's just done it for a little bit and has you know 11 saves this year or whatever, 15 saves this year. Quan- so quantify, my- quantify that to me, though, Dan. Do you think a four-year, $32 million deal would get Brock uh, penned in? Probably not. I would think it would be a little bit more than that. Um, I think a 440 type thing. Four for 40. I don't remember the exact numbers on, on uh, Darren O'Day. Yep. But, I mean, I would think you'd want more than Darren You know, you, you could demand more than what Darren O'Day got, even though Darren O'Day was on the open market. Right. Because Brad's a little younger than Darren O'Day was when, when he signed that deal. Um, and he obviously is more of a ninth inning guy necessarily than, a, than an eighth inning guy. So I think you're looking probably 440 or more. Um but, you know, I mean, it's so hard to quantify because you don't know and you don't know what the position they're in right now. And obviously, you know, a year and a half away from free agency versus a half year or at free agency, those numbers change as well. Before we go any further with this uh, possible trade talk, I do want to wish you a happy Bobby Bonilla Day today, Dan. <laughs> is it Bobby Bonilla's birthday? Well, no, because the this, Met, is, the day the, this gets... is the day that another $1.19 <laughs> million gets goes in. <laughs> From from July the first now from now through twenty thirty five. Oh my God! God, why uh, couldn't that day be the stand the fan that, day? Yeah. You know, I say we all put a dollar in the Craig Heist bank account. That's exactly right. Ah, my goodness. So let me ask you this: We're t- we're talking and we're about talking with Dan Connolly of BaltimoreBaseball.com, and yes. we're and we're talking about the the possibility of the Orioles doing something by the trade deadline. The Nationals have a need. They obviously need bullpen help. The Orioles have a need. It's starting pitching. Is there any way that these two teams could ever talk to one another, given the animosity with the Masson deal and and just looking ahead, you know? And, and you can tell now that this, the both of these teams when they're playing every year, 
you know, if you're around the game itself and, and the two yeah, teams. There's a little juice to it. There's this. a little juice to it. They really don't like one another. Their front office says a lot of things about the Orioles. The Orioles say a lot of things about the Nationals. I don't see them ever talking, but if ever there was two, go- two teams that could really partner up and do something to help themselves, it's these two teams. I mean, possibly. Obviously, the bottom line is winning. And if the Orioles thought that, you know, getting a, a pitcher, getting a, you know, I don't know who we're talking about, a Joe Ross. Well, Eric, well, Joe Ross or Eric Fetty, that kind of – Fetty's right. still at the minor league level, but highly right. talented prospect. Right. I mean, if, if the Orioles felt like they could get a real legitimate top-of-the-rotation type guy that's going to be the difference maker for them and, and they would be able to trade from a surplus – then, yeah, I would think they would consider it. But I, I think it would have to be something that the Orioles really felt changed their, their complete chances this year. I don't think that they're just going to – I don't think that the Angelos family is really wanting to help the Washington Nationals get a World Series. <laughs> that's that's so sense. true, Dan. <laughs> okay. So, so I mean, and I think that's, that's the bottom line of it. It's not – you know, I mean, baseball is baseball. And if it's a minor trade, will those two teams go, yeah, I would think they would. I would think that would be – I, don't, I think they're one of 30 teams, and you have to talk to everybody, and I don't think that there's a blanket against the Washington Nationals. But to give the Washington Nationals a piece that they may be missing to win the World Series, the Orioles would really have to feel like they're compensated well to do so. They would that's either, certainly not what they want in the market. They would either have to be compensated very well or perhaps a third team is in, you know, would get involved, involved in, in the it, mix yeah. to negotiate well, an acquisition of Britain that then they flip Britain to the Nats and the Orioles can sort of say, hey, it was a three-team deal. We got what we wanted out of the deal. Yeah, yeah but, if, but Stan, if you and I and, and Craig, we all know that that's what's going to happen. The Orioles know that's, that's what's yeah. happening, too. Yeah. So to them, they're still, they still know that Britain's on it would be, or, or you know, Brock or whomever would be on his way to Washington. Yeah. So that, it, it's all about the compensation. It's all about whether they think that they would be able to be – I mean, they would have to put themselves in a position to be World Series contenders – to allow themselves to allow the yeah. Washington Nationals to be I, more so World Series. I think well, that's, that's a, my take. Anyway. Yeah, I and I agree with your take overall, Dan. Yeah, and but but you look at the Nationals. I mean, other than obviously the big injury to Trey Turner from this past week, and having lost Adam Eaton for the year earlier in the year, when when you look at uh, a bullpen that has blown six saves uh, during the course of the first two and a half months of the season and uh, closing in on three, they need depth. They need a closer more than anything else. Uh, to me, it's a perfect fit, and I think Brad Brock would go down there and yeah. certainly fulfill that you know, need for the Nationals. Well, and I, I think what I, what I wrote on BulmerBaseball.com this morning, too, is that you know, the Orioles bullpen is still pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. And oh, I know yeah. it blew it last night, but O'Day, you know, O'Day and Brock, Brock had had – uh, converted seven straight um, save opportunities going into last night. So, you know, it, it, the bullpen's pretty good. Putting Zach Britton back on that bullpen makes it a real strength, especially if Miguel Castro pitches like he did last night, yeah. especially if Blyer continues to pitch well. Suddenly that's a main strength again if Zach comes back in his Zach, which, you know, which he believes he will be and the Orioles believe he will be. So you put all that together, that's a real major strength. Now you get a little bit of a pump from the starting rotation, whether it's Tillman, whether it's Obaldo, whatever, you know, and then suddenly you can make the argument that this team is back in it. And so I don't, I just, I just don't see them 
waving the white flag unless something goes you know really wrong in the next couple of weeks. So let me let me throw out forget Britain and forget Brock and forget Machado. Is there any way for this club because it boils down to me, Dan, and always has and always will that the farm system is so devoid of chips to to move the way Tampa was able to get Hechevaria. Hechevaria. Uh, they 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 had the young pitching to offer the Marlins. That's the third time I've mispronounced that today. <laughs> but but who's counting? But in other words, do you see any way for Dan Duquette to acquire a starting pitcher, a veteran from a, a downtrodden team, but that somebody could help us? Yeah, but it's but it's to the degree that could help the Orioles. That that's the whole thing. I mean. Do they have another Zach Davies to get themselves a guy? Or, you know, I mean, you go down the list of guys they gave out, the Brawls and, and Tarpleys, to get somebody. Yeah, I, I think that they have that. But do they? can they bring somebody in return that really fills the number one need for the Baltimore Orioles, which is a top-of-the-rotation starter? No. The answer is I can't imagine that. Yep. Um, their, number one, you know, their number one prospect is Chan Sisko, catcher, good bat, still trying to figure out if he's a defensive player or not, you know, if he's a catcher or not. Um, you know, certainly there's interest there, but is he, a, is he a top 70 prospect? Probably not. Top 50 prospect? The experts say no. So they really don't necessarily have those guys. Now, they're trying to build those guys, but, you know, my, my complaint all along has been the Orioles' lack of international amateur yep. uh, purchasing is, is killing them. And, you know, if you, if you strangle one part of the avenues to get to, or the arteries, I should say, yep. to get to success, you're going to have some trouble. And, and the Orioles farm system, if they had been able to, to throw in five or six or seven strong amateurs, international amateurs, like Jonathan Scope from several years ago, into that mix, well, then I think they would have it. I mean, you know, you look at what, what the, uh, the Nationals did to get eaten, and they had a mix of players. They had drafted guys. They had you know, international guys they traded. I mean, you know, you have to have – a combination. The Orioles really don't have that, and I don't think they have enough strength to get a top of the rotation or close to top of the rotation guy. That, that Can leads, they get if number four guy? Sure, they could get number four guy with what they have. That, that leads me to one other avenue, and again, I don't study it closely enough to, to give the, the thumbs up or thumbs down. Gary Rasich, I, I just informally, I was out of town and I had a little time on my hands. I started looking at each team just in our division at their pitching prospects at low A, high A, and double A. And all four of the other teams in the division had six or seven guys that I said, these guys' numbers are, are legitimate prospects. Actually, it was more like nine or ten guys. The Orioles had about two or three guys that I say, two years from now, this guy could be a real prospect. And that's where I find the, the second biggest fault – I agree with you. The international thing is is a, a gigantic head scratcher. But can you can you give me a grade on Gary Rasich as to how he's developed talent, drafted and developed talent? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's so tough, and it really is one of the most difficult things for for us as writers to look at is the like you said, draft and development. But they're two very different things. Yeah, and it's exceptionally hard to know. What's working and what's not working, and, and is it you know is it the development, is it the drafting, whatever? I mean, we also have to look at the Orioles have had a philosophy to basically trade away some draft picks, 
that they've been allowed to do, whether it was comp- yep. you know com- compensatory draft picks or whatever. You know, they've signed free agents when they've lost draft picks. I mean, a couple years ago, which is a draft that's kind of coming to fruition in the minor leagues right now, the Orioles didn't draft until the third round, like the 80th pick or, or, or something like that. So because they had gotten Nelson Cruz and Baldo Jimenez as free agents, they lost their first round and second round. Like I said, they've traded compensatory picks. They've traded international slot bonuses. So it's hard to pin it on Rasich because, you know, you look at anybody's draft, and you hope three or four of these guys, of the 40 that you select, three or four of those guys make the majors. And so you can look at, at Rasich's draft and say, okay, well, Hunter Harvey was in the first-round draft yep. pick. He didn't make it, blah, blah. But then you got to say, okay, but Trey Mancini was, was an eighth-rounder, and he's, you know, he's got mm-hmm. a chance for the All-Star game this year. And, you know, Donnie Hart was a 28th-rounder or whatever, 27th-rounder, and he's, he's made the majors and helped out here and stuff. So it's really hard to go through it. I mean, I think your point – goes with my point somewhat, Stan, is, you know, the Orioles don't have enough prospects. And I think yeah. if you would go back and look at that list that you were looking at, I bet you 30s or 40% of those guys are, are international players. That's an, that's an excellent point and one that you know? I, didn't, I didn't study carefully enough to make a, a claim one way or the other. It's an right. excellent point. I mean, and you have, you have almost zero guys from the organization who are international players who are in the Orioles' prospect system. I mean, they have some guys – but they're ones that they picked off of other organizations. They have not – I mean, the, the one thing, and I've said this a thousand times, I'm sure it ticks off people, but the one that stuns me more than anything else is the Orioles have never signed an amateur and developed him all the way to the majors from Venezuela. That's a yep. huge country with a very <laughs> rich baseball tradition, and they've never done it once. Now, they did Eduardo Rodriguez, who's now with the Boston Red Sox, because they right. traded him to get Andrew Miller. But they have never once, guys, had a Venezuelan signee make it to the majors in their system. That is, that pretty, is stunning. That, that's pretty stunning. It really is. Dan, you're doing a great job. BaltimoreBaseball.com. Uh, anything special that we should be looking for right now? You know, I, actually, I wrote a piece this morning about Adam Kolarik, guys, and I'm not sure if you're all familiar with him, but he was a high school guy, University of Maryland player. He made his major league debut at the age of 28 yep. on Thursday in Pittsburgh, and then – 15 hours later, was in the clubhouse in Camden Yards, a place he grew up watching baseball. And, you know, he's, he has a chance. He actually warmed up in the, in the bullpen last night, but didn't get in the game. So his second major league game probably will be, you know, today or tomorrow. Grew up yep. Playing. Yep. Today or tomorrow. And that would be fantastic. So yep. I wrote about that. I've got, got stayed on Baltimore baseball. got off of the uh, Orioles for just a little bit this morning yep. to, uh, to feature that story. That's a, great, that's a great piece. Dan mentioned Castro last night. Yeah. One of the things that's lost in that game last night was him coming in for Tillman with the bases bases loaded. He gets Ramos to roll over into a 5-2-3 double play and and then strikes out the last batter of the inning. Right. All right. And and Heisty, that's your your number, you know, fifth reliever right there. I know. So just just think what can happen if Britain comes back and it's Britain. So anyway, guys. Danny, we'll we'll grab you sometime in the second half of the season. Really appreciate the time. You got it. Take care, fellas. All right. There you go, Dan Connolly, BaltimoreBaseball.com. The Aberdeens, let them take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbird caps for $49.96. Folks, that's a $208 value for just $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting 
IronbirdsBaseball.com. Your summer starts now. And don't forget, Major Golf returns to Baltimore July 11th through the 16th for the Constellation Senior Players Championship. Get up close and personal with golf's legends at the prestigious Caves Valley Golf Club. You can find out more on the web. Visit them at cspgolf.com for tickets and more information. And want to give you a quick reminder, if you're a Ravens fan and would like to win a trip to London, you better enter fast. You can enter this contest until 12.30 Monday afternoon. Enter for your chance to win the Ultimate Ravens away game trip when Baltimore takes on Jacksonville in London's Wembley Stadium on September 24th. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London and enter now. You can even get bonus entries by liking on Facebook or tweeting. The grand prize winner gets a trip for two, including direct airfare to London, five-star hotel, game tickets, parties, and more. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London now to enter. See full details and contest rules. No purchase necessary. It's all presented by PressBox Sports. Tickets Unlimited, and Be More Around Town. And again, the deadline for entering this contest is Monday at 12.30 in the afternoon. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Charlie Vassalero introduces you to Baltimore's James Mosher League, the oldest continuously operating African-American youth baseball league in the country. Plus, we look back on the remarkable dual men's and women's lacrosse national titles won by the University of Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Want to see the Ravens take on the Jaguars in London on September 24th? Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London. You can win the grand prize, including airfare to London, five-star hotel accommodations, game day tickets, and more. Get all the details, contest rules, and enter now at PressBoxOnline.com slash London. No purchase necessary. Presented by PressBox, Sports Tickets Unlimited, and Be More Around Town. Charm City's newest football team, the Baltimore Brigade, are taking arena football to the next level at Royal Farms Arena. This is the first ever season, and you're going to want to be there for it all. Catch a great game with your family sitting close to the field, or get your night started with friends in the Bunker Party Zone. Baltimore Brigade football is high-speed, action-packed, non-stop excitement everyone can enjoy. Get your tickets now at BaltimoreBrigade.com or by calling 6 667-930-0200. Baltimore Brigade Football presented by MedStar Health. Brick by Brick. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash Sports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. Baltimore, it's time. Time for major golf. Time for golf's legends. Time to get up close and see it live. 
Get your tickets to see legends like John Daly, Colin Montgomery, and three-time defending champion Bernard Langer at this year's Constellation Senior Players, July 11th through 16th at prestigious Cave Valley Golf Club. Tickets start at only $20 and kids get in free. Visit CSPGolf.com to learn more today. A new summer menu with two great new items at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. First up, the Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich. It's Chick-fil-A's signature grilled chicken and new bacon glazed in a brown sugar pepper blend. Served on a Hawaiian-style bun with Colby Jack cheese, green leaf lettuce, and a zesty Smokehouse Barbecue sauce that's crafted specifically for the sandwich. They also have the Watermelon Mint Lemonade. You can get it as a regular or a diet lemonade. It's got all-natural watermelon and mint flavors, and it's complimentary to the Smokehouse Barbecue sandwich. Get the Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Tell Steve Pavlovsky we said hello and get there before August 19th because these items are available for a limited time only. Welcome back to the Bat Around. I'm Craig Heist. Stan the fan with me as always on this Saturday and uh, we have uh, another special guest coming on the line right now. He's my good friend from MLB.com, covered the Nationals uh, since the inception back behind in his, 05. Behind his back, you never refer to Bill Latson as special. Or, good, or good friend, really, for that matter. Anyway, Bill Latson of MLB.com is with us. Bill, good morning. How are you, pal? How's it going, man? How's it things? I'm good. Uh, I, uh, I saw last night where the Yankees got a grand slam from uh, Brett Gardner, and they went on to beat the Astros, who I think is probably the best team in baseball at this point. So that's a big road win. And then the no and then the Red Sox turn around and win in extras last night against the Blue Jays up at Rogers Center. Uh, so those two teams neck and neck atop the division right now. Uh, how with, with all the problems that the Yankees have had over the last say three weeks, uh, how, how comfortable are you? feeling about this team right now as you head toward the all-star break i'm feeling comfortable craig but in terms of winning the division i mean i have to be realistic i have to say that boston has a better team because of the starting pitching i really like uh boston starting pitching and uh wow and you know i can't forget david price who's off to a slow start and uh i i gotta tell you um i still think it's gonna be boston's division to win and you uh, think about think about the year that uh, Aaron Judge is having. I mean, some, oh, pe- yeah. some people are thinking about this guy maybe slowing down, but he's showing no signs of doing that. Not at all, Craig. And, and you know the reason, uh, this, this guy's disciplined now. I mean, I remember last year, the guy was, like, striking out left and right. He obviously worked out during the, during the offseason to work on his swing, and uh, so far so good. I think that's going to continue to the end. So his batting, his batting last year was basically like Stan on a Saturday night, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I take offense at that comment because <laughs> I was just as bad on Friday nights and Thursday nights as well. <laughs> All right, good enough. So it was kind of like a whole week thing yeah. for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, J- Judge is right now the MVP of the American League, but uh, I can't rule out uh, Mike Trout when he gets back. Wow, Trout, even though with missing that much time. Uh, Bill, I'm looking uh, at MLB.com, and it looks like your most recent uh, podcast has to do with the health of Terry Francona. Were you able to actually get Terry to, to chat with you about what's going on with him? 
Well, I didn't speak to Terry Francona. I spoke, you know, it's funny. I spoke to Francona during spring training, and uh, I got to tell you, he's uh, he's really, uh, you know, he, he's concerned about his health. He's never made that a secret. And uh, the question is, can he last the season? And I think he will. He's always he's always had a positive attitude, and uh, I, I think he's going to be guiding Cleveland to the end. Interesting. I didn't realize his health was that big an issue until until the last week or two. This is something that he's keenly aware of and is cognizant. Does this mean he's not in this for the long haul any longer? It's going to be a season well, by season? Well, that's hard to say. That's hard to say. I, I think he's in for the long haul. But, uh, you know, he, he's never made a secret. His health comes first, and when something goes wrong – he automatically, you know, has have you know the doctors check on him, and he, if he has to check in the hospital, I mean, things will be uh, okay. Well, he did leave the stadium. He yep. was taken over to the hospital to get checked out uh, earlier this week. He's uh, always that way, right? Yeah. And, but but you know what? They he still wanted to manage that night, and the club told him, "No, you stay away, get some right. rest, and then come right. back the next day." Right. No question about it. And uh, you know, I mean, he is. What a great manager he is. I, I think, uh, you know, when Frank Cohn is healthy, he's one of the best. And uh, he's going to stay, I think he's going to stay healthy the rest of the year. And if he can't, then Brad Mills will take over and you take it from there. So is, is Brad Mills then the guy that would be, if, if he had to miss a significant amount of time or retired for health considerations, Brad Mills would be the Indians' next go to guy? I, I would say yes, because first of all, he's Francona's best friend. They go back to their college days at Arizona State, and uh, no doubt about it, uh, he's going to be the guy. And, and you know what? I think he'll do a good job. I mean, if you look at the last time he managed, he didn't have the players. That was with Houston. He didn't have the players, and uh, if given a chance, this guy will do well, too. And it's, it's kind of like passing the baton. Because you know the system, you know the organization. Correct. Uh, so from that standpoint, I could see where that's a good fit. Uh, in terms of Terry Francona and this Indians ball club, uh, certainly not performing to the level that they have expected, but we've seen that with the Cubs, the two teams that were in the World Series. But they've kicked in a little bit. They've the kicked Indians. in a little bit better, but when they left Camden Yards after taking three out of four, they had a rough series yeah, uh, when they went the home twins, against yeah. the Twins. So they're still right. trying. They're still trying to find that consistency, and then we saw Joe Madden and the Cubs at Nats Park, and they earn a split. And if the if the Nats don't blow that lead in, in Game Three or Four of that series, uh, the Cubs probably lose three out yeah, of four, four in that yeah. series. So they're still trying yeah. to find it. Hey, one one thing, Bill, that the Indians have over every other team, Corey Kluber is pitching at a level that is just otherworldly right now. I call him a pitcher. He's a yeah. pitcher. He, he's, he, this guy's not really concerned about about strikeouts. He doesn't try to blow you away. Bill calls but, him a pitcher. Bill calls him a pitcher because on the back of his baseball card it, it says, says Corey Kluber <laughs> P. That's why. <laughs> no, but but th- this guy is not. I mean, when, he, when this guy throws strikes, he's worried. He's more concerned about location than a strikeout. Yep. So uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it just dates back to last year. The guy's a workhorse. I mean, the guy's been a workhorse since he's been in the, in the league, but everyone remembers what he did last year, uh, you know, going uh, out of turn at times and, and still pitching well. And, and the guy is, uh, 
he's the man. He, he is one of the best pitchers around, no doubt about it. Uh, we're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com right now. Bill, I don't know how carefully you've watched it, but one of the teams that's kind of really shocked me this year uh, over the past month has been the Kansas City Royals, who have quietly worked their way back into, I would say, strong contention for a wild card spot. Not altogether out of the division, but how does that affect Drayton Moore and what he's about to embark upon over the next two or three weeks? Well, Drayton, he announced that, you know, if the team is in the, in the race, he's not going to trade anybody. So I, I do believe that. And, you know, and they're winning with their core still. And so I think they're going to uh, remain, uh, you know, strong in this race. But the, the, the thing I'm more worried about is their starting pitching. I mean, that's going to be interesting if the starting pitching can really, you know, hold up. So we'll see what happens. You know, just like the Orioles are sitting there waiting for Ke the real Kevin Gaussman and Chris Tillman to show up, uh, they've been waiting on an expensive acquisition, Ian Kennedy, to back up a strong season last year. He's shown a couple glimpses of it lately. His whip is right. not that bad, but he's been had a propensity to give up some home runs. You're right. You're right. And, uh, I just think they're going to remain in the race, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can stay this long. I think they'll be there after the All-Star break. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's I, you know, at one time I saw them earlier this year. It looked like they were out of the race and they are going to trade everybody. But now, you know, people like Lorenzo Cain, you know, uh, they're all doing well, and, uh, and Perez behind the plate. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's too early to say they're out of it. Let me ask you something about the uh, baseball here in this area uh, with the Nationals and the Orioles. The Orioles need bullpen, or I'm sorry, the Orioles need starting pitching help. The Nationals need bullpen help. Do you ever see a scenario, having covered the Nationals for as long as you have, uh, do you ever see a scenario where these two teams can talk uh, a trade? Because, you know, obviously there's animosity. <laughs> I don't see that. No, no, definitely not. I mean, uh, so so what you're saying is it's basically like you and me, right? <laughs> uh, correct. <laughs> I, I don't see that at all. I'll be shocked if that was the case. I mean, Baltimore has to be desperate. The Baltimore and the Nationals—they have to be desperate, Craig. And uh, wow, I mean, I don't ever see see that happening. And you know, and both teams need help in the worst way. Yep. And I don't see them getting it, to be honest with you. Well, not from each other, that's for sure. Where are you at right now? Yeah, I'm at, uh, I'm in front of uh, the Dallas is kind of waiting to go in. And ah, there's okay. There's a car in front of me. I'm trying to go inside. Uh, okay. Hold on a minute. All right, I'm inside. Go ahead. <laughs> All I'm right. Sorry about that. Boy, that was quick. That was quick. <laughs> yeah. So. Bill, what, what do you got working next for the podcast? Well, I'm trying to uh, get some Hall of Famers. I don't know yet. I'm trying to get Craig Biggio. Um, recently, uh, this um, this past week, I was able to get Diana Munson, the wife of Thurman Munson, and yeah. uh, Ricky Henderson. Um, you know, that was a great time. I went to Yankee Stadium last week, and uh, that was uh, really great. Right, and we shared that podcast. Uh, you can find it on my page, Craig Heist, or 
uh, go to Bill's page uh, on on Facebook, and you'll. Are you see trying it. to steal credit for him? No, go no, to my no. Page. I said you'll you can yeah. see it on Bill's page as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, when when you have somebody when you have somebody. How do you pronounce the Ray shortstop's name? Adani Echevarria. <laughs> there you go. When when you when you have somebody who constantly blows up your phone or blows up your IM right. saying, hey, man, my podcast is up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the immediate. That's called a good marketer. That's a good marketer. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the obvious. And a good liberal Democrat, that's too. That's right. That's the obvious thing to say, uh, here, share my podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking, with Bill, we're talking with Bill Latson. So you've got some, some Hall of Fame stuff coming up soon. Yes, uh, I've been trying to do that mostly all year, and uh, it's been fun dealing with. And uh, I mean, they've, be, they've really been helpful. I can't uh, really complain. And uh, you know, I've interviewed this year alone maybe like uh, fourteen Hall of Famers. I plan to get more. And uh, you know, I'm going. I'm going to the Hall of Fame in the end of July, so I can't wait to go. Uh, Bill, without asking you specifically, we've been talking quite a bit on this program today about the Orioles and trade possibilities. Uh, so leave the – I mean, you can mention the Orioles, but do you see any big trades looming anywhere in the game right now, or do you think it's going to be uh, fairly quiet uh, July 31st? Uh, I think – you know what? The way some of these teams are going right now, I don't think it's going to be quiet. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to – Andrew McCutcheon, mm-hmm. he's a big name out there um, because, you know, the Pirates are almost out of it, and I see them trading him before it's all over. Um, I think the Yankees are going to make a move. They need a starting pitcher. I think they need some bullpen help as well. Um, I think the uh, Red Sox need another hitter. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Mets announced yesterday they're back in it now. Yeah. So I can see them making a trade uh, before it's all said and done. They need starting pitching now because most of their rotation is hurt. So let's see what happens there. Who ends up with uh, Quintana? Who ends up with Sonny Gray? And what are the other couple names you're hearing of uh, pitchers well, that I, could go? I would, you know, the Yankees would hope to get one of them. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, the the Orioles could get one of them. You just don't know. I mean, I think it depends on who they're willing to give up because uh, the GM for the White Sox has made it clear since the offseason he's not giving away his players. He wants the best prospects he can get. We've seen it already. And, you know, you know, he's playing uh, – you know, he's been hard to get in terms of trade. So uh, we'll see what happens. How do the Mets come out and say that they're in it when they're nine and a half games behind the Nationals – and a game behind the Atlanta Braves in that division. Well, because well, of the wild cards. Well, points. that's I, I, fine. That's fine and dandy. But a lot of teams can make that claim. Yeah. Right, but but you know they actually are talking about the division. I mean, I think what they're looking at, they're looking at the Nationals bullpen and Trey Turner and, and Trey right, Turner. Right, and the, and the, and that gives them confidence. I don't blame the Mets for that. I mean, I agree with them. Well, I, I like most they, like most other things in your life, you're living in a fantasy world. I, I understand, but Craig, you know what? <laughs> I, I've told you this many times. I will never forget 1978 
And, you know, in July, August... Oh, thought, this, is the Yankee, this is the well, Yankees 14. This is the Yankees 14 games. The only reason he remembers he's that... together wrong. The, the only re- well, he's altogether wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> the only reason he's remembering that is because it's the Yankees, and that's the 14-game lead uh, that the Red Sox blew to the Yankees coming down the yeah. stretch. Hey, hey so, Billy... Billy, I hate to cut you short. We've got the new head coach of Towson University on, former Oriole prospect Matt Tyner. Sure. we got sure. to jump to him. Again, MLB.com, look for newsmakers. It's Bill Latson's very, very fine work on the MLB.com podcast. It's fine work, but he's still wrong. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. You got it. Take See you later, back. bud. All right. Hey, Major Golf returns to Baltimore. July 11th through 16th for the Constellation Senior Players Championship. Get up close to golf's legends at prestigious Kays Valley Golf Club. Visit cspgolf.com for tickets and more information. And let the uh, let the Aberdeen Ironbirds, how's that? I almost did a stand the fan there. Yeah. Take all the stress out of your planning uh, for your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. You get four Ironbird tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for just $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting www.ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer Starts now. And I want to give one quick reminder out there again, not a full-fledged spot, but our Press Box London trip giveaway ends Monday at 12.30 p.m. That's 12.30 in the afternoon. It's a fantastic trip. Compliments of Press Box, Sports Tickets Unlimited, and Be More Around Town. And you don't have to purchase anything to enter. Uh, just go to pressboxonline.com slash London and enter now, and I do mean now, 12.30 Monday afternoon cutoff. Last week when you were out and I did the show and had Glenn Clark in for the last hour, yeah. we both determined that we were going to London. So you're both trying to win the trip. Basically, yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we have our guest on? All right, joining us right now is a former Orioles baseball prospect. He's now resurfaced in the area as the head coach at Towson University replaces longtime coach Mike Gottlieb over there, and our guest's name is Matt Tyner. Matt, thank you very much for coming on board. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Wanted to talk right out of the gate. You played your college baseball at at one time, which was kind of like the UCLA men's basketball program, only college baseball. You played for the University of Miami and Ron Frazier. Um what was that experience like, and how did it now, some 30-some years later, how do you think playing for Ron affected you? Great question, and, and let me start by saying that I am a kid from the Midwest. I'm, I'm from one of the flyover states, Illinois. And uh, I walked on at the University of Miami in the, in the fall of 1976 and played the seasons of 77, 8, 9, and 1980 and it was an eye-opening experience for me watching what Coach Frazier and Coach Skip Bertman, that was his assistant at that time, so I got to play for both of them. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, what they did for their program, what they did for their players, and what they did for the community. And that's what I'm going to bring to Towson. In other words, there, there's not a hand I don't want to shake. 
<laughs> there's not an autograph I don't want to sign. There's not a baby I don't want to hold and kiss. It, you know, it's not that I'm running for political office, but that's what Coach Frazier did. You know, he got out into the community and he made the University of Miami baseball a social activity for those around you. So I hope to be able to bring little leagues out there, get them to become part of our program, just re-energize that Towson community, which, by the way, I've walked around the downtown area, and boy, what a what an energetic little area of the, the city that is. So I'm assuming that the sports clubs around Towson will be as welcoming as everybody else has and at least give me a shot to get them out there on the field and have some fun with them. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Craig? Well, you know, the, the thing, I have a good friend of mine who works for the MLB Network on the radio side on Sirius XM, Dan Lang, who did play-by-play for Miami for quite a while, and he walks around with his, with his Miami Hurricane ring on his finger, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and, and, you know, and a good friend of ours, too, Steve Molesky, mm-hmm. he used to do play-by-play for Florida State. And... When you talk about baseball, especially SEC baseball down there at, and, and baseball at the college level in Florida, I mean, that's we, we always talk about, uh, you know, going to tailgates for football and things like that. It is an event for, uh, you know, when these teams get together down there for series and things of that nature. What about the atmosphere down there for that? You talked about the coach and, and how he turned that program into what it is, but – uh, just the, the whole idea of uh, how it's received by the public down there and, and the rivalries that there are with that. You have to remember that when I was in Miami, there were really no other professional sports other than the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So Frazier took full advantage yep. of that. We played in front of 1,800 to 2,500 a night, and it didn't matter if we were playing the University of Buffalo, uh, but then when we played Florida State, Standing room only, six, seven thousand people. It was incredible to be a part of that particular show. I mean, back then they called it the greatest show on on turf because we were the only major college program, I think, in the era back then to be playing on turf. Um, so not only did we have the rabid fans of Miami, but we had turf, we had lights, we had heat. We, you know. I, I coined that phrase, welcome to the jungle at Towson. Well, think what it was like to come to Miami to play us. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so I've got to build something like that. I've got to ask you, I'm not trying to puncture your balloon at all, but the, the one thing Miami had was weather where people could know that they're going to get nice weather to go out and watch a game February 28th or March the 4th. Or thunderstorms. You, you, can't, you can't control that at Towson. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> but but you wait. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a visionary. I looked at our particular setting right there, and I said, "Oh my goodness, what a neat setting in that little bowl-like area. It's highly visible from the street." Mm-hmm. We start doing some building. We start improving that facility the way that uh, myself and Tim Leonard, you know, another visionary. You know, the athletic director there at Towson, we, we just had a casual conversation walking the field the, the day I was hired, and, and I was saying, what about this? What about that? What about, you know, he's like, great, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. You know, and I'm like, okay, first first line of uh, offense is to, to get an artist rendition of what it could look like and then make some necessary changes and then engage that 
you know, selective as well as supportive alumni base. My press conference had 12, 15 guys there from, you know, four or five decades of Towson baseball. I think they're looking for somebody to go, hey, this is what we need. This is what I want. Let's go get it. Well, along, I think they'll be highly supportive. Along those lines, as a, as a baseball coach, and from everything you learned as a player down in Miami and also with that program, what is the message that you try to, to instill in the kids to come to Towson now to play the game uh, from, from your experiences? Well, a couple of things are going to stand out. First and foremost, I'm never going to apologize for where we're at because i got a great deal of pride. Once we step on the field, it doesn't matter where we're playing, right? Mm-hmm. It's still 90 feet bases. It's 60 feet, 6 inches from home plate to the mound, and it, it's time to show effort. So that'll be the first thing that we instill in our kids, that uh, we, we will never apologize for what we don't have. We're going to make the best of what we do have. That's first and foremost. Second is we're, we're going to have some fun. We're going to work hard because that's the only way I know how to do it. And we're going to have some fun doing it. And I think that's the, the question for the kids in regard to buy-in. You hear that, that phrase used everywhere. Well, my kids bought in. You know, my players bought in. My staff bought in. So I'm going to sit there in front of them and go, why not? Forget, forget the question, why? Why me? How about why not us? So I met with 12 of our players the, the day of the press conference, and I said, look, you guys are going to have a chance to, to be included in the defining of the building blocks or the foundation of this particular program because what we set here this year, what we do here this year, will become what we add to or delete in the future. We're talking with Matt Tyner, the new baseball coach at Towson University. Our our producer of this show, Bonza Tufa, just graduated from Towson, and he also did play-by-play for baseball, and he's got a couple questions for you. Say hi to, to Bonza, Coach. Hey, Bonza. How are you? I'm doing good, Coach. Um, first of all, like I said, welcome to Towson. I know everybody's excited to uh, have you a part of the team. Uh, first, I wanted to ask you, you're now in the Colonial Athletic Association. That's a very tough conference. You got Delaware, you got College of Charleston, UNCW, and Delaware is Towson's biggest rival, and they won the conference championship last season. So what is it like coming into the CAA conference where you know it's highly competitive and you got a team with a lot of talent and you're trying to put them together so they can win their first title since 2013? Well, I'll tell you what, you are exactly correct. The CAA is a very, very talented, uh, and it, go, it flies so under the radar. You know, I mean, people um, would, would rather look ACC, SEC, uh, and, and forget all about us. But uh, you've got teams that go from Charleston to Boston. To me, that's pretty glamorous. I think I can recruit to that. I've got teams that already have you know, that rivalry aspect to them. I think I can recruit to that. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got a team that was basically in last place for a couple of years where there's nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me with just a little mental shift, just a tad bit of a mental shift, we'll be more competitive and, and we'll, we'll start to see some results immediately, I think, from this squad. From what I've seen on paper, and, man, I'm not a big stat guy. Mm-hmm. I like to form my own opinions um, on my players from day one. So uh, I've had a couple people reach out to me and give me some information. I know 
that I'm pretty strong up the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first and foremost thing you, I think you got to be in. If any yep. coach, you know, had Palacios at, at shortstop, right. um, we, we okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a good start. We'll we'll work from there, right? And uh, I think he brings some kind of infectious uh, personality with him as yep. well. Uh, he reached out to me the day that I was hired. I don't even know how he got the got my number, but it, you know, it was. From from Ward Dell, he was like, "Let's go, man! Let's rock and roll." And I'm like, "Dude, you just keep doing what you're doing. Let me do what I'm doing, and and we will we, we will come together in August, and, and we'll we'll get this thing rolling." So, I'm excited. Yeah, Richie is a great player and an even better person. He's a very nice guy. So. The last couple of years for Towson, the baseball team, they're more offensive-centered. You know, if the offense is rolling, you know, it's going to look good. It wasn't there, though, this past spring. But you guys got, got, like, Richie Palacios, who's one of the best players in the coast. He's playing in the Cape, which is one of the best collegiate summer leagues. You got Billy Lennox. You got Mark Grumberg. Bo Plagey, who had a great freshman year. You have a lot of great offensive players. And you being a hitting instructor yourself, I want to ask – do you believe in each player having their own identity and approach at the plate, or is you know some coaches like to have each player have the same kind of approach and swing? Great question, and I'm I'm going to answer that one this way. I'm six foot one, and when I played, I played at 190 pounds. People would look at me and go, "Probably not going to be much of a power threat," and they were dead wrong. <laughs> My swing velocity. And exit velocity produced quite a few long-range home runs, you know, and and that was my my claim to fame in in my particular era. However, there were guys that I played with that were completely different types of hitters. And the one thing that the Orioles taught me back then was that you can't cookie cut hitting. There's not just one Bible on hitting. There are a couple things that every great hitter and every good hitter they do right that the, that is part of the swing and it's part of the result but you know if you are a person that is comfortable with a high leg kick we're going to work on making sure you get your foot down and that you're balanced and you're ready to go mm-hmm. if you're somebody that doesn't like to take a stride well i'm not going to come and introduce a stride to you if, if what you're doing is effective you know we talked about in the in the room with the kids what do you want to accomplish this year? And the kids were like, you know, hey, I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. And, I, and then finally somebody said, I want to get drafted. And I said, that's great. Now, between this day and when we start, I want you to visualize what that, work, what that looks like. Well, from hitting, hitting is a, is a grouping of, of four things, I think. Sight, balance, rhythm, and timing. Those components have to be in your swing at some point in time. And if you want to maximize your swing speed and you want to maximize your exit velocity, then you do all of those well. Okay, well, now we break down what each and every one of those look like or sound like because people learn at different rates. So by doing so, I think we'll have a a very well-educated hitter up there Mm -hmm. that will have some feel for what he's doing. So am I going to cookie-cut hitting? Absolutely not. Am I going to teach the components of hitting that I think can make every hitter better? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one last question. You've worked with many different coaches who probably have many different styles. 
And you said in the press conference, even you yourself are learning despite all the experience you have. How has those different experiences with different coaches helped you in creating your own coaching style as you continue to learn? He has some good questions, doesn't he, Coach? I've already asked him to come back, so he doesn't want to be losing. After he sees what I can pay him, he may be coming back. But, no, let me, let me say this first. So many times, you know, I've been around this game for a long, long time, and one of the things I promised to myself and those around me was that I will always keep this ego in check. And the minute I don't, I, you, you all three – have the opportunity to come up and go, hey, dude, what about that ego? <laughs> you know, because the, the, the changing of assistant to head coach was life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. But, but I've kind of already been there. You know, I, I was a head coach for two years at a Division II school, so I, I got a taste of it. But it certainly wasn't the taste that I got here at Towson. I mean, come on, this was, this was my day. It was unbelievable, right? I sit back in my office that day going, you got to be kidding me. These guys made such a fuss over this. It was, you know, I'm just a, I am truly just an average dude that works very, very hard at what he's done. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we will continue to do. You know, and those would be the people that we bring around. I got a friend who's a professional speaker that, that coined the phrase, the energized approach. And he identified 10 key energy sources that we all ought to become aware of. And things like communication, creativity, uh, commitment, you know, what do these levels look like? And I, I know I keep referring back to what does it look like? But when you start defining something, when you start building a program, you know, I can come and coach anywhere. I'm not, I'm not interested in that now. I want to build something for Towson. Mm-hmm. I want to build something for Tim Leonard. He's challenged me, and, I, you know, I want to build it for Kim Schatzel. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want somebody in the community to go, whew, look at that, because Tyner's going to be gone. And when Tyner's gone, I want this thing just to keep rolling. You know, at some point in time, I am going to get old. Not soon. You know, not, not soon. But, uh, you know, it, it, that's what I want. And the coaches that I've worked with have showed me, man, hey, it's one day at a time. Take it easy. You know, relax and enjoy the journey. But most importantly, you want to build a big program, you want to build a good program, then you got to know your kids. You have to build a relationship with your kids, not just on the field, but off the field. Right. I, I want to know their families. I want to know their, their brothers, their sisters. You know, I want them to feel like they can come in that door and sit down with me and talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Anything, you know. So that's the key. And those that I have hired will get that same message. They have the opportunity to come in and work with me because I sat in their chairs for so long. You know, I know the struggles they're going for. But I'm telling you, the commitment that Towson has made to this program right now, wow. Mm-hmm. We owe Towson quite a bit. We owe them 150% every day that we're working on building this program with Towson. So, you know, it, it's, it, this is a life-changing experience for me and one that I don't take for granted and won't take for granted any day that I am vertical. Matt, let me ask you this as a baseball coach. How much do you pay attention and obviously you have to pay attention to it nowadays, but how big are you on analytics as opposed to just the normal seeing what a guy brings to the table and letting your eyes be, you know, the telling factor as opposed to maybe a lot of the saber matrix we have in the game nowadays? 
I think everything is good, and, and certainly the more information you, ha- you have, you can make a better educated decision. But our game is funny. Our game is truly, truly funny in that we can have every piece of information we need, and it still might not matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's not like it's fourth down and one, and we know they're going to run to the right side, so we're going to stack over there. <laughs> we can shift everybody we want to, and if this guy's just a tick late on an 86-mile-an-hour fastball that time because he thought it was going to be a night, you know, whatever, he can still shoot something through a, a – open gap on the left side if he was left-handed. So it, it, it is really an interesting scenario that we're in right now. Yes, they'll play a, a role. I'll have uh, a couple people that will maintain stats for me, just like I did at Richmond. I do like tendencies, but I'm will. I will. Uh, I'm going to keep the coach's name anonymous. But in the last two years, I was hanging out at a minor league park with him because I, I used to play for him. And I said, you know, do you really enjoy this this uh, particular endeavor that you're involved in? He goes, absolutely. I get a chance to watch young professionals try to hone their skills and make it to the big leagues. He goes, see that guy back there? And I go, yeah. He goes, number one, he's filming it from three angles. Number two, he's, he's putting every stat into our analytical background and the whole nine yards. And then all that information goes right to the top. I go, wow, that is incredible. He goes, yeah, it is. I, I said, so then what happens? He goes, well, they take a look at it, and then they call me, and they go, hey, can the dude play? And I go, nope, ain't worth the damn. <laughs> Our guest is Matt Tyner. He's the new baseball coach at Towson University. Matt, I did a little reading up on you. I didn't spend an inordinate amount of time on it. I know that your chances to make the big leagues were robbed uh, from you by some physical ailments. I'm not sure what they were, but I'm just wondering if the other day, if you follow the big leagues, we got that story, the New York Yankees' tremendous yeah. prospect, Dustin Fowler, gets called up from the minors, making his major league debut. He's going to bat in the second inning, his first major league at bat. In the bottom of the first, he's in New Comiskey Park, and he runs into a short retaining wall over in the right field corner, ruptures his patellar tendon, going to miss the rest of this year. I hear it's a seven-month comeback from that uh, it's it's kind of devastating to me how, how did you handle your personal trials and tribulations with injury not good yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you know it was if you put everything and I do mean everything into the the, the chase of being a professional baseball player one of my best friends it was a teacher of mine that was my teacher in fourth and sixth grade. And she told me at my wedding, she stood up and told my, told a story. She said, yeah, this kid in fourth grade, when we all had that, what do you want to be speech in front of all your classmates? You know, I came up and said, I either want to be president of the United States <laughs> or a major league baseball player. And, and, you know, she was like, okay, Matt, sit back down. That's very good. Okay. Over <laughs> yeah. two. Right. So, Chasing that Major League Baseball dream was was the only thing I really ever really wanted to do. And you know, I've I've said many times that I'm addicted to the sport. I'm addicted to the game, and it's not a good addiction. You know, it it chews me up, it spits me out. I keep coming back. It chews me up, it spits me out. I keep coming back. You know, it just it just time after time after time. 
so when you see a young man like that, I saw him laying on the warning track, and I just, I honestly wanted to cry because yeah. I can only imagine that his journey has got to be a little bit like mine. He's, sure. he's highly decorated. He's a lot better, you know, than I ever was. But well, you hit you know, thirty-one home runs at uh, a ball, so I don't know about that. Well, thank you very much. But my right elbow, of all things, you know, when when the Orioles moved Ripken to shortstop, they said, hey, if you can move from the outfield to third base, your, your path to the big leagues might be accelerated. You, you might get a better chance. So I went over there, and for the first month, you know, it was a uh, – I was, I was electric. I was a magnet. It was perfect. And then reality set in, and it was the worst experiment I've ever done been a part of i still offensively was able to do it but third base was just not my my thing i hold the distinction of being the only third baseman ever pulled from a game by the pitcher and the manager you know in, in a Carolina <laughs> game. so who was the pitcher you know, and who was the manager grady little and julian gonzalez which happened to be my roommate on the road you know we were in salem virginia it's about 130 with 150 percent humidity i've driven in four and i've given up three <laughs> And wow. Gonzalez is, is trying to get to AAA, and he gets Grady in the fifth inning. He pulls Grady Little out, and he goes, "Look, dude, you got to make a call here. I'm throwing my you know what off. I'm sweating like a. I'm not going to last very long, but I need this game." And he goes, "Any ground ball over there is not even fifty-fifty." <laughs> he goes, "We got the lead right now. Thank God he's giving us a lead, but he's giving up three because I can't go any further. So it's me or him. Which one you want?" Grady said, "Hey man, how's that back?" And I said, "The back's fine." He goes, well, it's killing me. So you're going to have to come off, and you know, here's twenty dollars for a couple beers. Go, go have yourself a, a good, good stay. Get some ice on that thing. So we made the defensive change in the middle of the fifth, and I think we went on to win that game. But you know, me and Gonzalez had words afterwards. But uh, he was right. Unfortunately, he was right. You know, third base of me was not a good experiment. So back to the outfield, I went for my double A career, and, and it was, it was fine. But I lost a year in the outfield, and. You know, my elbow throwing just became different over there, and it just put a strain on it. And the next thing you know, I had calcium deposits in there, and they opened it up that fall, took it out, and then a year later, I had to go back and do it again. Uh, and I lost like 15, 20% mobility uh, or flexibility, and you know, I can't even touch my shoulder with my right arm. But I still throw a mean BP. So Hey, Craig and I were both talking. We've both been to Hagerstown. That does not – both of us recall it being kind of a – a little bit cavernous. You had 31 home runs when you played for Hagerstown? Well, let's make sure we're okay. I mean, when I looked at that line, 400 foot down the left field line, and I'm a right-handed hitter, I said, that's probably not going to be conducive to Big T here. Right. So, <laughs> Big T. I had a guy. You, you, you know, probably looked at it and said, you know, I want to try to make it, and they got it's 400 down the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I looked at that, and then, I had two guys, John Stafaro, who still lives in the Baltimore area, sure. got a cup of coffee in the big leagues, and he was a left-handed hitter, you know, so he was, he's sitting there with 20, 25 home runs in a minute, right? I'm struggling my tail off, but I had him and a guy from the Cleveland Indian organization, because we were a co-op in 81. We had, That's we had a, right, kind of yep. A bunch of guys from all over the place, and Rivera said, man, you got to learn to hit the ball up the middle, and I mean, he worked with me, and worked with me, and worked with me, and, and finally... But in all due respect, I know this fact. I know this stat. I think I hit, 
I actually hit two in the championship series, so that was 33 for the year. I hit 11 at home and 22 on the road. Wow. Mm -hmm. I hit three of those one night in the road uh, at home. Hey, hey, this first time around, I got one more question for you. And by the way, I'll be working with John Brush. We're going to get you on our TV show in a couple weeks called Inside Press Box. Um, Okay. What number will Matt Tyner wear as manager at Towson and why? They've already asked me that. And uh, I'm going to tell you this. I know how important a number is to a player, mm-hmm. right? Because I've, I've been there. You know, when I, when I went to the University of Miami and they told me I had made the team, in the fall, all we wore were T-shirts, right, to do all of our inner squatting and things of that nature. But when I came back into that lineup or back into that locker room in January, I looked in my, in my locker and it had number four on it. And I was like, oh, my God, I have, I have honestly arrived, dude. I'm number four. You know, Luke Garrick, here I come. <laughs> you know, so it was, that was the number for me. And then I got into the Oriole organization, first year, number 11. Hated it. Second year, I got a shot at four again. Okay. And then I went into a couple of major league spring trainings, and I said, wait a minute now. This is not a good sign. That dude named Weaver's got four. Right. Right. <laughs> So, you know, I, I knew I better start switching. So I think Tyner will wear whatever number is available that our kids don't want to wear, okay? What, what number and did Ron Frazier wear? <laughs> I'm going to give you one guess, and what do you think? Number one. You got it. All right. But <laughs> Coach Berman wore 15. Yep. You know, so, and I mean, I, that's the one – you know how some things baseball stat-wise hang out in your hand in your head. That was one of the things that I always seemed to click with me when I was a player. I I could tell you whatever the the guy playing was and what his number was. You know, so it was uh, interesting to see. You know, Coach Woodson very, very rarely ever even wore a number. You know, I think the uh, the in vogue thing now is to wear a, a some kind of you know short jacket or yep. something like that. Over, over some, so BP top sort of, and uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the flow. Uh, remember, I'm gonna build this thing with my players and with my coaches. So if consensually they, they say, hey, number four is your number, then that's what it'll be. We've if got they want a, me a number one. That'll be it. We've got another guest. We've got to jump to in just a minute, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention somebody going into the Hall of Fame this year is John Sureholtz and his name is attached to that stadium at Towson. He donated a lot of money. Do you plan to reach out to uh, John Sureholtz at some point? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you real quick, because I know you got to go, but Sureholtz goes to John Hart. I played for John Hart. John Hart goes to Brian Snicker. I dated Snicker's sister, uh, <laughs> Angela. So, so we got to have a Braves reunion, right? So there's three degrees of separation. All right. Matt yeah. Tyner, we really enjoyed our talk with you today. We'll do it again, and I'll have you on the TV show in the next couple weeks. Can't wait. Hey, Thanks Matt, a lot for having me. Matt, yep. real quick, wanted to make uh, you aware of this. If you ever run into Bonzo over there, his exit velocity isn't very good. <laughs> no, it is not. I want to let you know. <laughs> All yeah, but no hit. Okay. But, his, but yeah. his velocity from driving from Washington to Baltimore is okay. outstanding. Okay. All right. Thanks, you are Coach. Now my official. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon, you guys. Be Thanks. Good.
Hey, let the Aberdeen Ironbirds take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbird caps for just $49.96. That's $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now. And if you like great food and baseball, you have to visit Big Bats Cafe located just over the Bay Bridge in Kent Island. Take the first exit to 216 St. Clair Place. Big Bats is the winner of the Golden Anchor Award and voted Best Burgers and Wings. It's like visiting Cooperstown, but with food. Check them out at BigBats.com. Major Golf returns to Baltimore July 11th through 16th. That's coming up. For the Constellation Senior Players Championship, get up close to golf legends at prestigious Caves Valley Golf Club. Visit cspgolf.com for tickets and more information. Back with Jim Henneman after this. Let the Aberdeen Ironbirds take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle Friends and Family Package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now. KZ here, Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Sarita, the NFL chick. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I- I'm great. Every Sunday, 10 to noon, we talk about mostly football. Yes. We, we talk about the college game. We talk about the NFL game. We will throw in sports, local sports, some Orioles, some Terps. If there's an important story around the country, we'll throw that in. But our heart, our soul, of course, is football. Baltimore sports. Baltimore sports. In general. Do a little bit DC. We got to give them some love sometimes. Uh, I guess. Sundays, <laughs> Sundays, 10 to noon, Pressbox Fantasy Reality Football Show. A new summer menu with two great new items at Chick fil A Nottingham Square. First up, the Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich. It's Chick fil A's signature grilled chicken and new bacon glazed in a brown sugar pepper blend. Served on a Hawaiian style bun with Colby Jack cheese, green leaf lettuce, and a zesty Smokehouse Barbecue sauce that's crafted specifically for the sandwich. They also have the watermelon mint lemonade. You can get it as a regular or a diet lemonade. It's got all natural watermelon and mint flavors and it's complimentary to the smokehouse barbecue sandwich get the chick-fil-a nottingham square 5198 campbell boulevard in the nottingham square shopping center tell steve pavlowski we said hello and get there before august 19th because these items are available for a limited time only Hey, it's Nick Ashew. It's Tim Murray. And we're back now with PressBox Online every Tuesday. Game time with Tim and Nick. So, similar name. Very similar name. A lot of the same content. Oh, we'll change that content up, you know. We'll stay with the times, obviously. But we're still going to yell at each other. I'll push your buttons whenever we want. You always do. We're like an old married couple. Every Tuesday, subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, PressBox Online, Game Time with Tim and Nick. Find Game Time under the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or on iTunes and SoundCloud. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Charlie Vassalero introduces you to Baltimore's James Mosher League, the oldest continuously operating African-American youth baseball league in the country. Plus, we look back on the remarkable dual men's and women's lacrosse national titles won by the University of Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Farm City's newest football team, the Baltimore Brigade, are taking arena football to the next level at Royal Farms Arena. This is the first ever season, and you're going to want to be there for it all. Catch a great game with your family sitting close to the field, or get your night started with friends in the Bunker Party Zone. Baltimore Brigade football is high-speed, action-packed, non-stop excitement everyone can enjoy. Get your tickets now at BaltimoreBrigade.com or by calling 667-930-0200. Baltimore Brigade football presented by MedStar Health, brick by brick. It's summer, which means you're driving somewhere. It might be Ocean City, maybe Wildwood or the Outer Banks, wherever it is. You're driving there, and you haven't driven that far in a while. So you need to go to Full Circle Tire and Auto first, 1304 Governor's Court, Unit 110 in Abingdon, because they're going to give you a free road trip check and a free battery check, plus the best prices on tires in town and $79.95 AC services all summer long. Don't wait until you're on the road to find out there was something wrong with your vehicle. Go to Full Circle Tire and Auto first. You can call 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS or visit FullCircleTireandAuto.com to find out more. All right, we are back on the batter round on this Saturday morning. Orioles will play the Tampa Bay Rays at 4.05 today. Again, the first 25,000 of you that show up today, 15 years or older, We'll get the Zach Britton bobblehead. Uh, Craig Heist, it looks like Zach Britton, the real person, may be back in the big leagues as soon as Wednesday. Yeah, July the 5th. And that's uh, when we expect him to come back. And uh, from all indications, the uh, rehab has gone pretty well. Uh, I don't think pitching results in terms of stats is the main thing. Main thing for Zach is to make sure he's healthy and ready to go. All right. Uh, joining us right now is our very fine columnist for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Writes mostly baseball. He's also an official scorer at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And that's our good friend Jim Henneman. Jim, how are you? Good morning, guys. What's happening? Uh, we want to have you on to talk about your uh, most recent column online. But before we do that, uh, Orioles uh, at July 1st right now. Um, what do you think? Do you do you think they still have a shot at both the division and the wild card? Uh, are they smart for going all in for this season? Well, the, I mean, the numbers tell you that, that, that they're in it. I mean, they're not far enough out to, you know, to, to think otherwise. I mean, realistically, you know, it, it looks to me like Boston is kind of on the verge of taking – taking charge here. I mean, I don't know what's, which way is happening with the Yankees, but I know their their pitching has kind of fallen off a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's still competitive. But, I mean, when you talk about, you know, being all in, I mean, you know, I don't know. What are you talking about? You know, you I mean, we, we're going to get into one of those things where we're going to go trade three of our worst prospects for a, <laughs> an ace pitcher. Yeah, I, I think they'd be all in. But uh, let's face it, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to be they're not going to be dealing from uh, a lot of depth. So, I, you know, I don't really – I mean, I would be surprised to see any kind of major uh, major moves uh, coming this way. Now, the other question would be whether down the road they may decide that uh, there's something there that they can uh, that they can trade to, to get some, some young talent. Uh, you know, they have – you know, they do have some depth in certain areas, but um, – that remains to be seen. Well, that one last night was a killer because of the fact that, uh, you know, they, there was a pretty decent pitching duel going on for a while. 
Uh, I thought Tillman looked a little better last night. He ran into problems in that sixth inning loading the bases, but what a job by Castro to get out of that yeah. without having a run scored. But then when you're down to your last strike and you have a shot at closing that thing out, you have the two-out walk and then the balk and a wild pitch uh, to third. That's a tough pill to swallow last night yeah. when you're trying to get yourself righted and get going a little bit. Yeah, two things. Uh, you know, Castro looks to me like, you know, he could be he, he could be a Gibbons clone. Uh, he's, you know, got yeah. similar kind of stuff, I think. And uh, I was a little confused by the bulk. I don't really, uh, you know, that's not something that a, that should happen. But it, I don't know whether it, it looked to me, and I, really, I didn't talk to anybody afterwards, but uh, uh, it, it looked to me like he had two strikes and he's in a routine for whatever reason. I don't know whether Castillo tried to slow him down or something happened to, to distract him a little bit. Yeah. I, I knew there was a funny movement, you know, a movement there. Uh, and it was pretty. It was pretty obvious that something different had happened. It, I didn't really realize at first that it was a bug, but but something happened there to disrupt the uh, timing or something. It looked like they had the guy that hit her uh, on the verge of being put away, and then of course the wild pitch just just added to everything. We're talking with Jimmy Henneman. Jimmy, let's move on to the column that you wrote this week. I think this started out a little bit as a I won't call it a lark on your part. But it's, a little bit. It, it's, yeah, it's it, actually it's actually the it's actually the print you know it's in the print issue that's on the that's on the street. But uh, right, uh, yeah, it was uh, you know I don't I don't want to call it a lark, but it was kind of tongue in cheek. But then the more I got into it, and uh, and actually some of the reaction that I've got from it uh, has really, I guess we probably we, we need to get into. I'll let you get into. Setting it up, and then we can talk a little bit more about it. Well, the uh, setup is it's kind of like Back to the Future. There was a time in, I guess, in Major League Baseball where four foul balls. No, I don't think that was ever a case. No, I think this is the way we, you know, this is the way, you know, we grew up playing on the sandlots a lot, you know, with kids. I mean, if it was ever like that in the May, and, you know, it had to have been back in the, you know, 19th century, but. I mean, well, there, are, there there have been crazy rules in baseball that, you know, like when balls used to you could bounce into the stands for a home run. But going back to your thing is that we we used to play. The suggestion made was with all these things that are being thrown out there about ways to speed up the game and with all this talk about foul balls, and foul balls have become uh, a big issue. There isn't any question about that, you know. And as kids just playing choose-up games, we used to play in the old, Hey, four thousand, you're out, pal. You know, get the ball and play or take a hike. Right. So, the you know, and then the more I get into, actually, what started me on this was, <clears throat> and we watch a lot of these at bats. Guys have these bats filing off five, six, seven. You you hear these eleven, twelve pitch at bats where guys keep fouling balls off, fouling balls off, fouling balls off. And I keep hearing what great at bats these guys are having. I'm like saying. Why are they having great at bats? They just tried to do something nine times and failed every time, <laughs> and you know they couldn't get the ball in play. And and we keep talking about what a great at bat. Now it's a great at bat if he gets on base. If he doesn't get on base, it's not such a great at bat. But that was the, that was my first thought was you know how come these guys are are uh, are getting so much credit for great at bats when all they're doing is is not really being able to do what they're trying to do. Well, it's a great at bat because even if you fail and you make an out. You've driven up your the the opposing the pitch pitcher's yeah. pitch count, yeah. Which which we all know is the most important statistic in the world. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we're gonna, 
you know, if well, wins and losses don't mean anything, and it's run differential, and I think we should just play 162 games, and at the end of the year, the team with the best one run differential wins. Well, I was we a little bit. We don't worry. We don't worry about wins and losses. Just, I, just I was a little bit concerned about your premise for this, but now that I think about it, and you're saying about pickup games and on the playground. Uh, and I can hear that already. Mom's got dinner on the table. Four thousand, you're out. <laughs> well, actually, the, the, the part of that was, you know, we only had, you know, you're only playing with one baseball most time when you're right. a kid, and you got to keep styling the ball up. You say you got to go get the ball, and uh, you know, hey, put the ball in play here. You know, let's, you know, we're, we're trying to play the game here. Of course, in those days too, you also played. You didn't didn't have nine players, so you only would maybe cover one half of the infield. So you would you would you would cover. The, the left field side, if it was a right-handed hitter, or the right field side, if it was a left-handed hitter, and then if you hit the ball the other way, you were out. You know that was the other. Sorry, we don't want to go that far. But Jim. but actually, the more I think about this foul pitch thing, and, I, and I'm saying, you know, we're talking about shortening the game by doing this and yeah. doing that and doing the other thing. We're talking about putting guys. I mean, if we ever get to the point where marketing guys uh, change the game, it would bother me. And I, I'm really not in favor. of of big changes, but if they're going to do something, uh, you know, do something along the lines of of how the game is being played. And and uh, you know, for instance, in the in the scenario that I'm saying, if you get the if you get to the third strike, for instance, if you're bunting the ball and you bunt it out, you're out. Right. But you you only get one time to do it. So as a as a hitter, let's say when you had when you get the two strikes, you foul four balls off, you're out. That's six strikes. That's you know you had six chances to get the ball and play, and and the other guys had four chances to walk you. you know, I, I think the thing is uh, is almost pure genius, Jim. I, I really do, and and I know you you allude to the economic factor when you were kids. There was only one ball. The real economic factor in today's baseball is especially with the starting pitchers. It's how many more pitches would you potentially save? an arm from throwing over 32 or 33 starts over the season. And I think that number could become significant enough that it makes some sense over a career that you could save a Dylan Bundy or Chris Tillman an ungodly amount of, of potential harm to their arm. I, I don't, you know, I don't know how, you know, whether, whether it would be an ungodly amount. It would be, I mean, uh, Tom Berducci had a thing in the in last, it was last week's SI about, this whole broke this whole thing down to a point where you know it showed that that batters are taking 1.1 second more per pitch than they did uh, a year ago, which is a I guess sounds like an alarming rate, uh, <laughs> which is kind of. But the one thing I did notice is that last year there were there were like 3,000 more pitches thrown than the year before for whatever that's worth, and. Uh, and I've done a little bit of stuff going in and and trying to get an idea of foul balls. For instance, that, that pretty much most of the research shows that about 17%, or maybe one out of six pitches, end up being fouled off. So, you know, 3,000 uh, you know, 3, pitches, uh, that's 500 more foul balls. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the one thing I did notice, uh, I, I looked it up in the thing, there's a the number of pitches being thrown per game today, and today is is it was 297, which sounds like an astronomical number, but it really isn't. Um, if you used a 15 pitch per inning 
method. You know, eight innings is 120 pitches, and nine innings is 135 pitches. So right. You're only talking about 10 or 15 pitches above the above what would be considered efficiency. So that that number is not as outstanding, is not as uh, mind-boggling to me as I thought it would be, to be honest with you. But um, you know, in this day and age, when all we talk about is uh, you know ways to to, to to shorten the game up, uh, speed the game along. I mean, baseball takes a big hit on this because it has, you know, there there are no, there is no time frame, and people say, well, there is nothing, there's nothing happening. Well, there's a lot happening between the ears if you really get in, if you really get into the game. And I think the other sports. I mean, basketball is a is what a 48 minute game, and, and yep. the pros, and, and that's routinely a routinely almost a three hour game now because of the things that they, I'm, a, a good two and a half hour plus. And that's a 48-minute game. Football, you know, we you know 60 minutes, and it takes three, three fifteen, three and a half hours a lot of times to play these games. So, uh, you know, the, the ball's in play, relatively speaking, uh, in basketball and, and in hockey, even with the pucks in play, more than it is in football and baseball. There's no question about that. Jim, Jim where do you stand on your idea with and I know, like you said, you, you you started it off with just you know playing around with it before you started to really think about it with the four foul balls. But where do you stand on some of the things that can actually be done to speed the game up? And I'm talking about umpires calling the strike zone. I'm talking about batters stepping out of the box. I'm talking about the inordinate amount of time it takes to review some replays that go under consideration. Where do you stand on all of that as opposed to not changing the game the way it is? I, I don't, you know, I, I, I really would be against changing changing the game per se, but I can see where the trips to the mound, you know, there, actually there was a time in the, in the back, for instance, like uh, trips to the mound, you, you say the second time to an inning, uh, the, the pitcher has to come out of the game. Uh, I can see where you could say the second time you've been at a pitcher, He's out of the game, so that would that would eliminate. Uh, I think in way back the leagues had different rules on on visits, and I think at one time the National League had a had a three visit or two in in an inning for for a pitcher. And, I, and I'm a little bit vague on this, but I'm pretty sure that there was there was a difference in it. But I can see that I can see that the limiting the times that catchers go out there. Uh, but you know these kind of things go way back. I mean, Carlton Fisk was on the mound more than the pitcher was sometimes. You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know he's a Hall of Fame player. But and I've heard guys. You know, one of the big criticisms from from some of our buddies that you know sometimes like the catchers are not out there enough to get the pitcher. Well, you know what? You shouldn't have to be out there. You shouldn't have to be out there for you know every hitter or, or remind a guy what the situation is. I mean, that those are situations that should be secondary. So. I can see that they they certainly can speed up, uh, especially with nobody on base. The time between pitches. I mean, some of the and, and most of that is the hitters. I mean, most of that is is hitters, not pitchers. There are some pitchers that are awful at it, but there are some hitters that take it to the extreme too. And, and you know, they're they're easily identifiable. I mean, they really are. So, All right. I mean, they're, they're, they've got some numbers on some of these guys. Some of the hitters that are. I mean, they average almost 30 seconds between pitches. That's a, that's a lot of time. That is a and lot of time. And I think that can be dealt with. You know, Jimmy, really you, you scoring today's game? Today and tomorrow, yep, I'll be there. All right, we'll see you out there at the park today. 
appreciate your coming on talking about what I think is a very novel idea. Well, it's you know if they're going to think about some of these other things, then I'm in favor of thinking about this one. Yeah. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm I hesitate to to, to to mess around with the game, but maybe we got to do certain things. All right. Thank you, buddy. I'll, I'll throw right, out my guys. I'll throw out my first correction around you know four oh five or what. <laughs> oh, that's funny, yeah. Greg. That's funny, Jim. Thank you. He's gone. He's gone. That's why I said that. (laughs) All right. Hey, if you like great food and baseball, you have to visit Big Bats Cafe, located just over the Bay Bridge in Kent Island. Take the first exit to 216 St. Clair Place. Big Bats is the winner of the Golden Anchor Award and voted Best Burgers and Wings. It's like visiting Cooperstown, but with food, good food. Check them out at BigBats.com. One last reminder on our show and I know KZ, Ken Zales, and Sarita will remind you tomorrow, the NFL, uh, excuse me, the Press Box London trip giveaway that we've been working on with Sports Tickets Unlimited and Be More Around Town, it ends. The contest ends Monday at 12.30 p.m. Enter to get your chance to win the ultimate Ravens away game trip when Baltimore takes on Jacksonville in London, Wembley Stadium on September 24th, just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London to enter, and you get the grand prize winner gets trip for two, including direct airfare to London, five-star hotel, game tickets, parties, and more. Again, go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London. Want to see the Ravens take on the Jaguars in London on September 24th? Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash London. You can win the grand prize, including airfare to London, five-star hotel accommodations, game day tickets, and more. Get all the details, contest rules, and enter now at PressBoxOnline.com slash London. No purchase necessary. Presented by PressBox, Sports Tickets Unlimited, and Be More Around Town. It's summer, which means you're driving somewhere. It might be Ocean City, maybe Wildwood or the Outer Banks, wherever it is. You're driving there, and you haven't driven that far in a while. So you need to go to Full Circle Tire and Auto first, 1304 Governor's Court, Unit 110 in Abingdon, because they're going to give you a free road trip check and a free battery check, plus the best prices on tires in town and $79.95 AC services all summer long. Don't wait until you're on the road to find out there was something wrong with your vehicle. Go to Full Circle Tire. Tyron Auto first. You can call 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS or visit FullCircleTyronAuto.com to find out more. Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section 336 for 25 years? Well, yeah, 25th anniversary of Cannon Yard. Yeah, we've been in Section 336. 336. Well, I mean, technically. Are we? Well, technically we're in 334. No, no, no. Section 336. We're in Section 336. Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're section 336. Every Monday night. Every Monday night, yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in 334. But the ticket's screwed up. We're just, we can touch section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in section 336. Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do here on the show, section 336. Yeah, so section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. Press box. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or by going to iTunes or Section336.com. Baltimore, it's time. Time for major golf. Time for golf's legends. Time to get up close and see it live. Get your tickets to see legends like John Daly, Colin Montgomery, 
and three-time defending champion Bernard Langer at this year's Constellation Senior Players, July 11th through 16th at prestigious Cave Valley Golf Club. Tickets start at only $20 and kids get in free. Visit CSPGolf.com to learn more today. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. That, that, Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron and Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Let the Aberdeen Ironbirds take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle friends and family package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now. All right, back on the bat around, closing things out on this Saturday edition of the bat around. Got to remind you that tomorrow from 10 to 12, uh, Ken Zalas is back in the saddle. Along with Sarita Hubbard, the NFL chick, and uh, Kyle Ottenheimer will be along as well. That's every Sunday, 10 to 12, the Fantasy and Reality Football Show. And Glenn Clark back Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 uh, on the Glenn Clark Show. He and Kyle Ottenheimer. Craig, what are you up to these next few days? Well, we have uh, Orioles today, and uh, I won't be at the Orioles game tomorrow. I'm down in uh, Washington doing a, a Nationals uh, radio show before the pregame starts on 106.7 The Fan. Okay. Uh, the Nats Insider Show. So if you're uh, out and about want to listen, feel free. And then uh, next week the Nats are home for a homestand before the uh, All-Star break including the Mets and the Braves. So Mike Rizzo um, picks up Kevin Jebson this week and a minor league contract mm-hmm. and Frank Rod- Frankie Rodriguez, Francisco right. Rodriguez. Um, are they going to sort of half-ass this the whole way through? Uh, I think they'll go out and do something by the – by, by the, the deadline. Uh, by the deadline, by the trade deadline. If you, uh, if you had to guess, and, who do you think again, it'll be? Frankie Rodriguez uh, is obviously a guy with a long track record, but certainly over the few, last few years has lost his effectiveness as a big-time closer. Yeah. Uh, but that just goes to show you those two acquisitions to minor league deals exactly what a premium pitching is at in the yeah. major leagues. Everybody's looking for it, and that search never stops. So right. from that standpoint, you know, who knows whether we see one or either both of them, you know. But yep. the, the biggest thing is not so much the closing end of it, even though Blake Trinan has, uh, has blown a few of the six uh, during, during the course of the season, but it's more depth because Dusty got in a situation where he used any, any uh, Romero and also Matt Albers in 
three straight days, and he had nobody else to go to to close out a game. And Albers, surprisingly enough, has closed out a few games here recently. Right. So he's back right now right. holding down the fort a little bit. Yeah. All right. Orioles again today at 4.05. Zach Britton bobblehead doll. Zach Britton bobblehead day. Uh, and it's 15 and over. First first 25,000, 15 and over age-wise, Get the Zach Britton bobblehead. It's Bundy and Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi. Odorizzi? Yes, Jake Odorizzi. And it's Adana Adani. It's a a Dani Hechevaria. A Dani Hechevaria. Hechevaria. Yeah. Right. I got it? Hechevaria. Hechevaria. There you go. Hechevaria. It sounds like a dish at a good Italian restaurant. restaurant. There you go. Hechevaria. Thanks to Bonzatufa. For uh, running things so smoothly. So his exit velocity is awful. <laughs> got very bad, very bad. But he drives fast. Yes, he drives fast. All right, have a great week ahead. And uh, I'll be back on today, probably about 7, 8 o'clock tonight with my Facebook Live Stan the Fan O's postgame chat. So we're back doing that. See you later today.